Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. Welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcoury. And I'm Cathy Weston. A very warm welcome this evening. Uh, in our intro uh, with our sponsorship ad, Lydia, it said that family life has its ups and downs. Well, planet Earth has its ups and downs. <laughs> and we've seen some rapid change and movement in the political landscape as this we all week. know and this if anybody's week. listening in a podcast we're talking about in and around the 8th of november that's right something momentous occurred and i think the reason for having this show tonight is because at the same time as all of these political changes are occurring we know from recent research that there's a 35 percent increase in children calling childline due to anxiety about world affairs so that was you know what we were worried about we wanted to address and uh, tonight's show is about how we talk to our children about what's going around on around us and how you know at the end of the day we encourage them to be active and participate in politics and how we might do that so helping us navigate these stormy seas on this episode of The Parent Show are Nikki Cox, OBE, if you don't mind, editor of First News, the children's newspaper, Debbie Roberts, who's a mum and project officer at Youth Connections locally, Natasha Jossette, who's the founder of Momentum Kids, Gillian Hubner, a mum over in the States, and Elizabeth Dempsey, who has an amazing job because she is one of the people, Lydia, who manages Childline. Which is fantastic. So we're coming at it from every angle. And we're assuming by having all these guests that you should, on some level, discuss political developments with your children. But it's such, it's such a fine line between keeping them up to date with what's going on in the world and... Yeah. Scaring and them, scaring or, them. I, and I think them, we've yeah. had lots of parents this week. We're going to hear from um, one local parent and a mum in a minute, uh, Debbie. But we've had lots of parents say, you know, how, how their children have responded to world events. And we can talk about those maybe when we speak to Debbie. Definitely. So let's see if she's on the phone. Are you there, Debbie? Hello, everyone. Yes, I'm here. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Now, you and I had a chat earlier in the day about how our children uh, responded to the events over the week. How did your children respond? Well, I have three children and they all responded slightly differently. Um, my daughter, who has been through university and is now working, um, she rang me at seven in the morning sobbing. She couldn't even get her words out. Um, yeah, she was very, very upset. Um, my middle child um, had a very um, pragmatic approach. Um, he imagined himself as a parent. He imagined himself in 20, 30 years' time and his children looking back at this time in history as an unbelievable blip. Um, wow, so he even had that kind of sense of foresight. Yes, for him, he, 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 yes, he's quite a philosopher and he felt that there are times when we become polarised and then there are times that bring us all together and um, we seem to live in this continuous cycle. Um, and he also, maybe a little facetiously, said, you know, the upside is, the positive is, 
that uh, this should motivate everyone looking for a job because it just shows you that if you have no experience or match any of the criteria for the <laughs> skill set, you can still nail it. Yeah, I think you've raised a couple of points there. I think we've had lots of contact with parents this week. I mean, my own 10-year-old woke up and said, Mummy, is he going to go nuclear? Yeah. which I've, I have certainly not had those conversations before. And I think you've got children's fears, anxieties, but then there's equally the message, isn't there? The message that we as parents have been hammering home that if you work hard and you've got the right experience and you're a good person, you do the right all thing. will be well. And, you know, that seems to have been, in this case, it looks as though someone who holds values that don't represent m- many people is, is in the highest office on earth. For sure, and this has definitely been my daughter and my other children's real concern. All our children are growing up, all our children anyway, here in St Albans it seems, are growing up with very similar values. Um, They're exposed to um, the kind of thinking that allows everyone to reach their potential. Uh, A very society that's incredibly tolerant, or you know, at least we, we try and be. Uh, we teach our children about different religions and cultures. Um, we teach about global warming. We teach yeah. our children know so much more than we do about LGBTQ issues and microaggression. And then they, yeah, they see these adult leaders who live in a different paradigm to them. And that is, you know, you can see why it is causing them, some of them, to feel quite anxious. Yeah, and equally, the thing, as parents, we really despair at the thought of them becoming disillusioned at this age. And I think that disillusionment is something we've worked so hard as parents to guard against, isn't it? Well, for me, because of the work I do, um, I guess that doesn't enter into my consciousness too much because I'm so aware of the participation that's available um, you know, we have a, a, a fabulous youth council in St Albans. There's all kinds of ways that young people can get involved in things. And really, forgetting my job, that's my message to my kids. You know, if you if you want to change something, then get involved, be engaged, because you can make a difference. And people don't go to work to do a bad job, whether we agree with some of the things Trump says or doesn't or any other politician. They, they will be meeting needs that they see within their community. We don't have to agree with them, but if we can learn to understand and respect each other and find ways to have that discourse, um, I, I think that that gives young people some hope that they can make a difference. Well, I love your idea of the Youth Council in St Albans. So uh, let's talk about some positives that, you know, there may be a more actively, politically active and participatory young people around the corner doing all these amazing things because they can see the the consequences of not participating. Um, How do children get involved in the Youth Council, Debbie? Um, Every child who lives uh, works or <laughs> they don't work but lives or, or receives education uh, within uh, St Albans District is eligible to join the Youth Council um, and if you uh, go on to Channel Mogo which is the Youth Connections website you will get the details of all the different Youth Councils across the county so anyone listening in from anywhere else uh, there are Youth Councils running all over the place and we certainly have a very strong one in, in St Albans. There's a fabulous youth council in Wellin and Hatfield. We have 
one in Harpenden. Is this for secondary age children? It's 11 and above. Oh, how exciting. And you've mentioned Channel Mogo before on our show. That channel, if, you do not, if you're not aware of it, parents, have a look at it. It's, it's packed with resources, isn't it, um, Debbie? Yeah. Yes, you can find activities that are on in your area. You can get personal advice. You can get advice and guidance um, on education, traineeships. um, um, Yeah, it is definitely a resource that's worth looking at. Brilliant. Okay, well, listen, um, and thanks again for all the work that you do with Youth Connections, which is an amazing um, organisation, helping all of our young people, you know, stay well and happy and engaged. So thanks for that. Thank you. Take care, Debbie. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that was Debbie Roberts, who's a local parent and also works as a project worker at Youth Connections. So the next parent we're going to be speaking to on the phone this evening is a lady who is... Uh, based in the States, which is very exciting for us to hear from somebody who's parenting at the moment in Washington, D.C. And no, it is not. We've got the wrong guest. Sorry, that was my fault. The next guest, sorry, is Natasha Jossette, who is the founder of Momentum Children, uh, Momentum Kids. And you may have read about Momentum Kids in the press uh, because Natasha and her colleague Jesse set up uh, Momentum Kids Uh, to sort of enable them as uh, single parents to attend, be politically active and engaged with their work with the Labour Party. But um, we're going to talk to... um Natasha about what it you know her views on how political political participation and uh, can take place and how we can encourage our children to think about the world in those terms so hopefully she's on the phone are you there uh, Natasha hello hi hi Natasha welcome to the parents show thanks for having me Now, I've been reading today about Momentum Kids, just for those who Mm -hmm. have not uh, heard of it, uh, unlike me. Can you tell us a little bit about what it is? Well, we set up um, through Momentum as part of a grassroots organisation to support the Labour Party and uh, Jeremy Corbyn's leadership campaign. But mostly as a single mum and as a parent myself, it was very much about kind of integrating parenthood and families into the political process and, um, you know, making it as inclusive an environment as possible. And one of the most striking things, I think, you know, we're talking tonight about how to encourage children to be politically engaged and participate. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you did that because you're a single mum. You tried your very best to establish, you know, a means by which you could bring your children to the events that you wanted to attend. And yet you yes. face such a barrage of abuse and criticism. We really did, yeah. I think people are are very much, um, I mean, to be honest, we got quite a lot of concern with regards to Momentum Kids. Um, we were coined as Tiny Trots and Mini Mouths and a lot, lots of other quite derogatory terms, which I think is quite a shame, to be honest, because it, it does, in it, you know, inherently what it does is prevent parents and people from stepping forward and and campaigning for political issues, which really what we want is in an inclusive society is to have everybody, everybody who is who wants to be a part of our society to be involved, questioning and curious about what's happening. And do you um, 
Natasha, do you think that parents should model that to their children and how far should that go? How much should children see when it comes to um, political, political activism? Well, I think it depends on the child. Um, you know, it really has to be quite child, child-led and children generally have a lot of questions about the world around them and for us as parents it's really about guiding them and allowing them to have that space to talk and allowing them to have that space to question the world around them and you know showing them that there is you know there are obviously there are the parents that they can talk to but there are libraries and schools and teachers that they can talk to and ask questions about and get information from um and that's that's you know as a parent that's something that's very important to me you know my my child said to me yesterday um when we woke up to the american news she said oh you know mummy what's what's the difference between Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, and Hitler? And I thought that was quite an astute way of putting it, to be honest. Um, And you know that as a parent, we don't have ready-made answers. You might be cooking cooking the dinner or driving them to school, and they come up with these eccentric and crazy questions that you have to then respond to. And rather than have a ready-made answer, it's about allowing them to question and really kind of come to terms with the things that they're hearing so for me it was about to what do you you know when you hear about Donald Trump what are the words what are the feelings that come to mind um and for my child she said oh she said sexism and she said racism she didn't have much to say about Hillary Clinton but she did know from her from her studies at school about the second world war and about fascism and about Hitler and she drew those comparisons herself. And um, for me, it was about, you know, showing her that we don't know where Trump and Clinton are going to go, but we do have an idea of what happened in the Second World War. And we can learn from that. And what can you learn from that? How can we be better people? How can we be compassionate and curious and change the world around us? Um, and that's all you can do as a parent, really. And was she anxious about the results um, I wouldn't say anxious necessarily I think it's um, you know we we're really lucky in the West aren't we you know we we can have this ideal about childhood and about it being this kind of beautiful space where they get to play and and be quite mollycoddled but that's not necessarily the case in many places around the world um, particularly with conflict areas and um, you know, and we don't know what kind of a world we're sending our children out to be. So, yes, of course, my ideal situation for my children is for them to have this beautiful, loving, happy space. At the same time, I also want them to be resilient. You know, resilience is really important. It brings self-esteem and confidence and resourcefulness so that when they do face as adults a grown-up world where they might feel the anxieties of the world around them they can bounce back they can understand it and question it if that in turn leads leads to a sense of activism activism uh, to which for me means transforming the world to become a better place then fantastic that's something that they have because we have encouraged them to be confident and uh, i'm 
I'm politically active myself and mm-hmm. I've I've I think I've made a mistake recently. My my seven year old is really keen to join in. He loves leafleting, sticking on a T shirt, coming with me when I'm doing things like that. But yeah. in the lead up to Brexit there was mm-hmm. such aggression and tension by one side and he witnessed that firsthand. And yeah. I was so sorry that I had exposed him to that, but I, I, I just had no idea that there would be that mm-hmm. level of vitriol out there. Have you had a similar experience? And, and do you think there's a risk of just overexposing kids? Because, I mean, I know I was sorry I let him see that person talk so angrily about, and mm-hmm. f- fanatically, to be honest, in, in, front of, in front of him, to him, actually. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think this comes back to my my point about resilience. You know, if you look at the children who are who came from Syria, we have a real unaccompanied minors situation in in England at the moment, and in any conflict area where you have children who were once in school and going to birthday parties and having their childhood, who were ripped out from that and crossing crossing borders and dealing with conflict you know it's it's the resilience that we want from our children it's the happiness and resilience they are going to be facing these issues and if we can create an atmosphere where they can talk where they feel safe where they can question and discover then i feel as a parent i've done my job so yeah they're going to face some anxieties um, but we can support that. We can support that all the way. And you know. So basically, Natasha, there's a lovely quiet. there's a lovely opportunity for to teach children about resilience within what yes. is happening globally. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Natasha, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm so sorry, and move Thank on you. to our next guest. Thank you so much, Natasha Josette, for the Thanks founder for of Momentum me. Kids. Anytime. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yes. So uh, again. Uh, uh, lots of I loved I loved her approach. I loved Natasha's approach. That you know she's not diving in there when her child comes up with those questions and being con- you know condemning a politician or what she thinks. She's letting her child yeah. think for themselves, and is, I think that's a a great approach. And trying to find opportunities to teach our children about resilience within what's happening i think that's a great message so hopefully we're going to have our next guest on the phone in a second Gillian hubner who amazingly is in the states and uh, she's a consultant who has spent more than 20 years working in international affairs in the field of children's rights child development protection and she even helped establish the u.s office of the jk rowling international child rights organization I definitely want to work there when I grow up. And she's also the parent to two children, 13 and 9, and is currently living outside D.C. in the U.S. of A. So she's got extensive experience both in politics, in um, child rights, and is a parent. So hopefully Gillian is on the phone from Maryland. Are you there, Gillian? I am here. Wow, and it's such a clear line. It's better than oh, something's working. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for joining us. What time is it in America? It's well, in, in my part of America, it's three twenty. Three twenty. So you're feeling a little less sleepy than us, then. That's great. That's right. Yeah. So, Gillian, you have just explained who you are to our listeners. What is it like being a parent in the capital at the moment? Ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, I think the common 
perception in these parts, uh, well, at least among my cohorts, <laughs> is that this is one of the most challenging moments we've we've had as parents, I think, navigating this in terms of supporting our children and also um, trying to be honest and yet constructive. Um, yeah, it's challenging for sure. Gillian, how did you manage, I know you, you are a Democrat, how did you manage your own emotion around your children when the verdict came out? Uh, well, the children wanted to stay up to watch the results come in. We were with neighbours and friends who are all, um, you know, we are the, the progressive liberal elite, I suppose you could say. Um, and so the children wanted to stay up and, you know, we saw the the returns turning in the direction that we honestly hadn't expected, which I think is, you know, we all sort of saw our bubble popping at the same time, and it was um, stunning. But the children weren't able to stay up. They needed to go to sleep. We all needed to go to sleep, and uh, they asked me to wake them up when it was final. Um, I actually tried to do that for my older son, and he slept through my <laughs> efforts. Your efforts, and yeah. And in the morning, I... I told him, and um, I was calm. He was calm. He uh, had questions about what to say to his friends at school. He's in a very diverse public school with about a 50% Latino population. And I, you know, I, I said, what do you think you should say? And he said, I need to let them know that we're with them, and that we're going to stand by them no matter how difficult things get. So, Gillian, um, is that palpable? Is that palpable, that sense that a percentage of the population is fe are they actually feeling afraid under their new president i think so yes we have some muslim friends who are very concerned um but you know i mean yes and no i mean at the same time you feel safe in your community right and with the people who who are your friends and whatnot and so i think you know there's just a lot of uncertainty um and I think the the key in the parenting piece is just to help the children figure out where they are in this. Um, you know, they're not passive. They have connections. They have experiences. And just making sense of all of that and, and helping them realize that, yeah, they have agency in this, too. This isn't just something that's happening to us. It's something that we all need to be involved in to the extent that we can. Um, and waking up together is a is a pretty powerful experience, I think. Waking up, you know, um, and in terms of paying attention. Gillian, um, Hillary Clinton's concession speech was pretty powerful, and particularly as a parent, you know, the comment that she made, and to all the little girls watching this, never doubt that you are valuable and powerful and deserving of every chance and opportunity in this world to pursue and to achieve your own dreams. Do you think, do you think that packed a punch? I think for some people it did. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of us, I don't have daughters, but um, I have a daughter. <laughs> And my mother, my mother's family, and our all of our female ancestors were always politically engaged and were suffragettes and whatnot. So you know we have a, a strong narrative around that um, from both sides of the political spectrum, I, I should say. Um, yeah, I do think 
I don't think that girls are necessarily going to be discouraged in terms of reaching for things. I mean, we have so many other models around us of women who have and do continue to achieve. Um, but yeah, of course, there's a frustration around that. Well, Gillian, our last guest, I think the message that Lydia and I took from it was around resilience, that there are lessons for our children. You know, there are great opportunities for them to support their friends, to, you know, participate in, in political action, as you say. And I love your point about agency. It gives them an opportunity to be agents for change in the future, albeit we have to live through his presidency. Um, but I, th I like that sort of positive note, because I think sometimes it's quite difficult, you know, to, to see the light when, it, when everything seems quite dark. Yeah, no, certainly. I, we, um, talk sometimes about, I don't know if you're familiar with Mr. Rogers and his program that was quite old, it was around when I was a kid, but uh, he has a, a phrase that he talks about when, when there are emergency situations, you know, and, and children are clearly experiencing trauma or confusion, he reminds us to look for the helpers. And I think that that's a really powerful piece as well when you when you can encourage children to look for examples of what's working and what's hopeful and what's resonating and how can you plug into that and surround yeah, yourself with that's it. That's a lovely message. Oh, we'll love, we're going to have to leave it there, Gillian. Thank you so much for joining us um, from America. And uh, good <laughs> luck and hopefully we'll have you back on The Parent Show. Lovely. Thanks. Take good care. Bye-bye. 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 So that was Gillian Hubner. Again, I'm drawing, writing down all the positives, Lydia, yeah. so that we've got a list of them. I really enjoyed her message about waking up together is great because you become politically active, engaged yeah. as a family and uh, looking for what's mo what's resonating, what's working, encouraging our children. It's not just doom and gloom. We have to find, you know, a way forward yeah. that's more positive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest this evening. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcourie. And I'm Cathy Weston. And we're talking tonight about politics and parenting. And our next guest we've had on the show before, but she has very kindly uh, decided to come back. And that's Nikki Cox, who's the editor of the children's newspaper, First News. Hi, Nikki. Hi, how are you? Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Now, Nikki, um, just to start off, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the research that came out recently to say that about children's anxiety over world affairs? Yeah, it was an MSPCC report um, and Childline, uh, which basically said that over the years, the calls that they have have kind of changed from initially, I think it was it was mainly abuse and then bullying, and now they're getting so many calls about general anxiety problems among among young people and a lot of them um in relation to world affairs and the news and things that are going on that uh, that are concerning them now i know that your newspaper did a sort of a poll didn't it about how children felt about the american election yeah i mean we poll our readers every week on something that's in the news um and we did a very big survey last year in fact called the state of britain's children which um polled them about a number of different issues um, and the biggest thing
um, which given that the likelihood of any any of us kind of being a victim of a terrorist attack is is so small you can't even calculate it is really is really scary you know because they're obviously seeing it in the press and they're they're reading about it all the time hearing about it um, and you know they don't have the kind of the experience to actually kind of understand that you know that's how the media exists you know it's to sell papers and it's to get headlines and it's to get viewers and the same with the american election you know they've been seeing all the headlines you know if donald trump becomes president it's going to mean world war three you know and all those kinds of things you know and, and the world's going to go into a session and you know they don't understand that that kind of scaremongering and, and sensationalism is it's kind of just what the media does um and they they take it literally and Nikki, how does your paper help them navigate those issues? So if we were to get our children to read First News, how would they have read about the election and how will they read about the, the result? Well, we've been running stories for many months um, about the American election and, and what's going on and who the candidates are and, and everything. And, you know, we're, we don't sensationalise because we, you know, it, it's... We, we just have to be absolutely straight down the line and and talk to kids on on a level that they understand. Um, we we provide the background and what we also have done recently, in fact, we've just launched um, an online news channel as well for kids called First News Live. So we've made lots of videos too. So we've got um, explainers which we call "I don't get it." Um, and so we did an I don't get it on the American election, you know, who is Hillary Clinton, who is Donald Trump, you know, why are they standing and what, what you know, what do they say, what do people think about them. Um, so they've, they've got that as well. And, we, and yesterday we, we made another film as well, which explained, you know, that Trump had become president um, and tried to take the fear out of all of the headlines, you know, that have been going on. And, and the, the problem is, too, as well as the media... What parents, I think, and, and other adults don't quite realise is that they talk in front of children in a fairly scary way, not realising, you know, that what the kids are taking from those conversations. So if you're kind of sitting there having a coffee or whatever with a friend or, you know, your spouse or whatever, and you're saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Oh, dear, Donald Trump's president. Oh, my goodness. You know, what is it? Oh, my, you know, what does this mean for the world and for America? And, oh, my goodness. And the kids are just listening to this. And, but they have no perspective to kind of understand that, you know, actually, you know, there's a Senate, you know, Donald Trump actually isn't that powerful all on his own. He can't do things without other politicians and other people around him endorsing his opinions and ideas. You know, so that's what we do. We explain all of that. And actually, it'd probably be quite good for a lot of adults to read. Too, I to know. I'm feeling very reassured listening to you. You know, it's, just, <laughs> it's you know... It, it really is the job of the media to get people interested. You know, that's how papers sell. We all know that, but kids don't know that, you see, and that's the problem. But I'm also feeling a little bit guilty, Nikki, because I'm the one who's talking to people too much around my children, you know, it's uh, about, about politics, and it's you're right, and it's such a bad idea because, that, you know, we've processed it, we've decided what our, our ideas are, based on years and years of reading newspapers but they're just coming in they're just coming in and getting the you know coming in almost at the end of the story or whatever so yeah. so i mean my advice always is don't try and shield them from it i think that's the worst thing to do because 
they're hearing about it for definite. You know, it's you know, we launched First News ten years ago and back then, you know, my idea to launch it was, was purely to give the kids their to give them their own newspaper because I thought they should. But, you know, now it's never been more necessary because the the world has become so much smaller in the last ten years. The the world is literally at their fingertips because they have mobile phones and they're on the internet and they're hearing it on 24-7 news channels. They can see headlines on newspapers, on the radio. And and even if you think you've done a really good job with your parental controls, you know, you're stopping them seeing things, they're getting to school or they're going home to a friend's for tea and they're talking about it. They've seen about it. They've heard about it. And then the real problem is it's all the misinformation by that point because they're hearing things second, third, fourth hand. And, you know, the amount of, you know, Chinese whispers, the amount of exaggeration that has gone on by then, um, or just different interpretations and misunderstandings, it's really scary for them. So, you know, the job we do is we bring it right the way back and we say, okay, this has happened, this is what it means, and actually, you know, you've got nothing to worry about because the reality is any of these big things that are happening, you know, whether it's an earthquake in Italy, whether it's um, a terrorism attack in Paris, whether it's a president in America, actually, none of it's really going to affect our everyday lives. And that's what children need to be told, and they need to be told that they're safe and that life will go on. I think the problem is, as you say, it's a, there's such a distortion of reality, even for adults with the internet. Everything seems so close, you know, and yeah. if you hear about one murder on the news, it completely, you know, people think they're immediately unsafe. Um, I think one thing I'd like to ask you about is, you know, June, I'm finding it really difficult to, I try and not let my, it's an issue about sheltering them, not let my children listen to the news on the radio because it is so graphic. It's so, I mean, I'm constantly turning it off at particular moments because I don't want my children to hear that some man had hired a prostitute and murdered her with an axe and all this business. And the, the news is so graphic on the broadcast news, isn't it, on the radio? Yeah. And it, there doesn't seem to be, I think, is, have, do you guys have like a radio channel that children, children can listen to that's kind of, you know, nice and hygienic in the way that your paper is? Radio is the only thing we haven't done. We, we have got the newspaper and we do have an online news channel now, which is um, live firstnews.co.uk and that has up to the minute or at least daily news we have a daily news bulletin brilliant yeah um so anything that's happened in the in the, in the last 24 hours is, is there um and also we make lots of lots of films i mean in relation to the american election we we spent some time in america and we filmed a series called the united kids of america wow yeah um we met lots of different children in lots of different situations that were somehow touched by some of the issues that were being discussed around the election. So we um, spent some time with America's youngest um, gun gun campaigner, anti-gun campaigner. We met some children who were refugees that had come in from from Guatemala. Um, We met a nine-year-old girl who's a reporter in New York. You know, she set up her own newspaper. Um, So lots of different children um, affected by lots of the issues that have been been talked about so again it kind of brings it back down to a child level yeah yeah 
And, and I think I think children, where we've discovered this week uh, from the parents who've been in touch with us, is that p- children get to the even if you had not even discussed the American election with them, they have come up with their own astute questions. You know about the, I don't know. Nobody knows where they come up with them from, but or their friends have mentioned it to them. But yeah. I think a lot of parents have been taken aback by yeah, the, by, how much the they know. by how much they know, but also yeah. that they don't have the answers. And I think your message is is to I think I really like that idea of giving them a balanced view, maybe by reading your paper together and looking for that kind of balance. I think it's something like 84% of parents read the paper with their children. So, um, I mean, I don't think necessarily every word, but, you know, there's a quiz in there every week, which um, which is a news quiz for the week. So it's a really good kind of platform for being able to just to talk to them and see... You know, and it's in those kind of conversations that their worries might come out, and then you can say, "No, no, no, you, yeah. you, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, you know, that's not going to happen." And um, you know, I mean, plane crashes are, are, is something that's a real fear, and it always seems to happen just at, you know, just as kids are about to go on their school holidays, and they're all terrified. You know, and, oh, yeah. and you know, we we say, "Okay, you know, this it happened. You know, it happened, but." There are half a million people in the air at any one time and 6,000 planes all taking off and landing safely. You know, the the chances are tiny, tiny, tiny. And that's kind of the thing that they need to hear. That's, I mean, wonderful rationalisation, isn't it? Um, But what, what age group are you talking about, Nikki? How soon would you start exposing your children to news on any level? I think as soon as they start asking questions, to be honest, and I and I think that varies. I mean, we write it really thinking that our youngest readers are kind of seven or eight, um, and they seem to stick with us till about 14. Um, and now we've launched the channel online, we're thinking that maybe even goes a little bit older because older kids, 13, 14, are getting their social networking accounts in online a bit more. Um, but as soon as they... I mean, if you have a child that shows an interest in the news, then embrace it and talk to them. And, and you know, the paper has some in-depth features, but it also has things like news and pictures. You know, we have a whole page of just pictures that of the news from that week. So it's kind of entry points, really, for any, any age group. Fantastic. And I just want to run through what you said, Nikki. So don't shield your children. Don't let them get information second and third hand. It's better if they they're exposed to news in a kind of in a in a rational form, ideally together with you, so you can explain it through and take fear out of headlines. That's what I'm taking yeah, away from absolutely. what you're saying. Yeah, and and just don't assume that they don't know because because they were, they really will. I mean, so many people were saying to me after the Paris attacks, and I think that's when we last spoke actually that you know they were turning off the telly and turning off the radio, and you just can't do it. it it's just impossible. I really wish you could because. You know, there's all sorts of things happen that you really wish they didn't need to know about, but they do. So the worst thing is to let them worry about it quietly. It's much better to, to get it out in the open and talk about it with them. Fantastic. And we're going to, I've, I've just, I was on the First News website and I can see there's a fantastic Christmas present there for any aunts, uncles, um, grannies, granddads who are listening in, or mums and dads indeed, a, a one-year subscription or even the... Let me get it back. So six month subscription is just uh, for twenty six issues is thirty thirty 
37 pounds or 32 pounds which is fantastic I mean it's really great so that you've made Christmas easier for a lot of a lot of people out there Christmas present that keeps on coming that's it well thank you you've been so reassuring I think we need a bit of Nicky Cox on tap when anything nasty happens in the news (laughs) so thank you so much for joining us Nicky it's a pleasure take care thank you so much and that was Nikki Cox from Sorry. First News. She got News. shocked off with her last word. But we're just going to take a tiny little break and come back with our last guest, who is Elizabeth Dempsey from Childline. Welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Now, our last guest tonight, Lydia, we're going to be speaking to Elizabeth Dempsey. Uh, are you from Childline? Are you there, Elizabeth? Hello, hi. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I have to say, I've always wanted to talk to someone who's actually on the receiving end of children's <laughs> phone calls at Childline. What an amazing job you do. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, it is. It's a very rewarding job, actually, as well. So, so Elizabeth, tell us, what is it like? Um, you know, do you sit by the phone with lots of other people answering phones? You know, what's the Childline office like? Yeah, so the Childline office is an enclosed counselling room where we have uh, we have 12 bases around the country, but we have counsellors in the counselling room 24 hours a day taking online chats and um, telephone calls from children and young people about all sorts of issues. Um, right across the board from bullying, family issues, uh, all sorts of things really, just about anything you can think of. And do you find there are kind of um, ups and downs, there are waves of, of extra phone calls, how does it, how does it generally... Yeah, so very out? often when stuff is, when, you know, when things are generated in the media and of course things with social media are, are, are so kind of up and down at the minute, you find a spike in calls. So when something's worrying a young person, um, so, for example, after the Paris um, terrorist attacks, children as young as nine have been contacting the helpline, um, children of all ages, and of course they're really anxious and worried. So, you know, anything like that will generate a spike in calls. And are you able to ascertain if it's children from particular ethnic groups or particular ages or which gender? Who's calling up the most in your experience? Um, it can be a real mixture. I mean, generally more girls than boys tend to call the help, tend to call Childline, but we do have a high number of boys that call as well. Um, girls are twice as likely, really, as boys to call, um, but 12 to 15-year-olds are the most likely age that would call as well. And they call about you know, all sorts of anxieties. So, you know, for for example, we've, ha- we've had a caller that, would, that has called and said that their anxiety is becoming worse after the terrorist attacks in Paris. Um, they're really worried that something like that could happen in London and they perhaps tried talking to their parents, um, but they just feel very uncertain and very unsure about it. We've had other callers who say... People just assume, so we've had young Muslim callers who say people just assume that all Muslims are terrorists. And I've noticed that people are staring at me and avoiding me, particularly when I'm wearing my headscarf. Um, and feeling really angry that people are so narrow-minded and just, you know, so worries from all backgrounds, all ethnic groups, all ages. It's a real mixture. So everything that goes on in the world and in our society seems to be mirrored in your call centres. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. And 
must be very difficult keeping on top of each issue as it comes up and and adapting to each issue because they're all they're all so different they're all so different but i think the key thing with young people is listening to them you know it's really important to listen to them and to hear what their worries and fears are whatever they're about really um i think that's the hardest young thing for young people is they often just don't feel heard and don't feel listened to elizabeth how do you uh, as child line uh people who, I don't know what the word is, uh, speaking on the phone to these young people, do you have a sort of a script when you're trying to reassure them or is it up to each child line practitioner, as it were, to sort of listen and shape the conversation as they think appropriate? Um, so our counsellors are all trained to, um, in our, we have our own child line counselling model um, and one of the key areas of that counselling model is listening. Basically it's listening and understanding what a young person's world is like for them. So that's our, that's our sort of starting point, whatever they're calling about. So we're always willing to sort of listen, hear what they're saying, and try to offer them, you know, reassurance and comfort, but not to gloss over things, to actually hear what they're saying, um, and try to explain things in a way that's age-appropriate and helpful to them, really, so that, you know, um, they become less anxious. Now, you've mentioned that they contact you online as well as on the telephone. Yeah. Has that been more prevalent in recent years? Um, yes. Yeah, so our online calls, two-thirds of our contacts now at Childline are online, not on the phone, whereas they used to be all on the phone. But, of course, it's, you know, it's a very natural medium for children and young people to use online. And they can have a live one-to-one -one chat, which is anonymous. It's 24 hours a day. Um, and they can get the help and the reassurance that they need, especially when they're worrying about these kind of issues. Uh, equally, it's so attractive to them because nobody can hear them if they're just typing in their yeah. bedroom or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, nobody can hear them. It's completely anonymous. You know, they can talk. They can talk to a counsellor. Um, they, they don't have to worry about giving their name, giving any details. They can talk anonymously to anybody. They can talk 24 hours a day. And equally, they can look on the website and get just about as much advice as they need, really. So with your sort of counselling hat on, if mm -hmm. listening uh, to, par to parents who are very concerned about their children's questions and also them dealing with their anxiety on a daily yeah. basis about political issues, what would be your best tip for parents it, when a child comes out with, with a fear or a worry? Um, again, you know, I would say listen to your child, listen to the young person, um, hear what they're saying, offer them reassurance and comfort, but don't overcomplicate things and don't gloss over things. Don't give them explanations that they'd find even more worrying or, or more scary, more, that would make them more frightened, really. And just help them to find extra advice and support. So, for example, you can find lots of advice and support on the Childline website about all sorts of different issues um, and it you know it's a it's a very good site to visit so I would just say listen to them try to understand them try to reassure them in a way that's age-appropriate and talk to them you know um, in a way that they'd understand really and if any parents have real concerns about talking to their children they can contact the NSPCC helpline and the adult helpline at any time and they will talk to them and give them advice Brilliant. I think parents often forget that there's a helpline yeah, that, that you can access. And, and sort of in what circumstances are the NSPCC expecting calls from parents? 
Um, in in all circumstances, again, you know, parents call about all sorts of worries with children. They, you know, adults call to report abuse. Parents call about worries, and they can get help and advice from the from the NSPCC helpline help on pretty much anything. Brilliant. And obviously, you work together as organisations. We do. We work together. Both helplines are in the same room together. So we have the adult helpline counsellors on one side, and the child line helpline counsellors on the other side. So we're very interactive and we're sort of very communicative about calls. And when people are raising money, I think this is a month for Pug. Pudsey, isn't it, Lydia? Oh, Raising money for children in need. Yeah. I think Childline and the NSPCC are great recipients of that money, aren't yeah. you? Yeah, I mean, we're always grateful for all funds raised because it really goes towards the frontline work that we do with children and young people, and it's just so important. Well, Elizabeth, we think you're amazing, so thank you so much for coming on and telling us about that great work that you do supporting children and families. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Huge Take thanks. care. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So that was Elizabeth Dempsey from Childline and we've had just an amazing array of guests tonight. Nikki Cox from First News. Um, we've had Debbie Roberts, a local mum but project officer also at Youth Connections. We've had Natasha Josette from Momentum, uh, Momentum Kids actually, and Gillian Hubner who was in Washington DC and talking to us a little bit about how things are going down there in terms of parental and child anxiety in the wake of... Um, the election. So thank you very much for joining us on the Parents Show and um, uh, if you're listening to this in a podcast excellent, please listen to all of them there's lots of them there and um, share the word about them and if there's any show that you'd like us to cover, if there's a topic that you feel we need to, um, to be discussing uh, drop us an email on parentshow at com. Thank you very much. Good evening. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.